Okay, so I'm going to interrupt you because white people are not going to come and just and change it. They're not. No white person's going to come and be like, you know what? We're making too much money off of these niggas and bitches, so we're going to change our strap now. It's not going to happen. And in the con and in, and that's where I, you know, no shade is that. That's what I want to take the conversation to because. I've been having these conversations for years, yes. and I've heard every white supremacy, I've heard it all. And my thing is, it's like, that's fine, because it's true. It's a fact. It is an absolute fact, and we're acknowledging that. And now we're also saying, have, myself having a cousin who was shot in the face, right? And a lot of us who have seen inner city violence, right? What is next? Like, what is this next? Because there is something that is happening. Well... I am sure you can tell by that clip that this was a very passionate conversation. Welcome to another episode of Stranger Food, y'all. This is Donovan, and we're so happy that you are here to listen to our episode on violence in mainstream hip-hop. If you don't already know, Stranger Food is a video podcast with the mission of combating anti-blackness everywhere, centering the black and brown perspective on topics like politics, race, pop culture, media music, and so much more. And this episode is the beginning of a four-part series on the rise in violence, featuring the brilliant voices of Dr. Donna, Kumo, Juice, Tadeo, Elijah Day, Nikki, Tiffany, and Marquise. We hope this episode will inspire you to dig deep and go beneath the layers with us. Our panelists present facts as well as their viewpoints, so we encourage you to always do your own research. All right. Let's tune into the discussion now. Wagwan, everybody. I am Donovan. And I'm Constanza Eliana. Yes, and welcome to Stranger Fruit. Today, we are talking about hip-hop and the impact of mainstream violence. Hit the subscribe button. <laughs> hit the notification bell. Let's do this, because we're about to go in. So last year, a couple of things happened. You know, the world was kind of like, I guess, mourning the loss of Takeoff um, from the rap group Migos, which was, I think, shocking to a lot of people. Um, but it came off the heels of a lot of controversy around violence and hip-hop following Megan Thee Stallion getting shot earlier the year before, I believe, um, by Tory Lanez. Everybody knows about this. The biggest and most disturbing thing to us and why we wanted to have this conversation was because people had a visceral reaction to her victimization. People had a visceral reaction to her being harmed, and it was fucking weird. And I think that when Takeoff was murdered, right, there wasn't enough conversation to me about the violence that was happening. Why is it happening? Why is it happening amongst wealthy people? What's going on here? And I wanted to use this as an opportunity to highlight this and talk more about it. Um, you know, I kind of want to start with a very, very basic question of do you think hip hop is inherently violent? Marquise, what do you think? Straight to me. Um, no, <laughs> I don't think hip hop is necessarily inherently violent. I do think that hip hop is a form of expression that we try to communicate as black people and black and brown people because it's a moment for us to kind of talk around like what we're going through. And the only way for people to be able to listen to what we're going through tend to be through music, tend to be through entertainment. So I think from that standpoint, we talk around the violence that we're experiencing. And sometimes I think in that kind of space, it might seem like it's almost normalized in that space of us being inherently violent, but we're talking about the conditions that got us to that spot at that point in time. So that's my quick answer. So is it, for, from your perspective, I remember like many, many years ago, I would say like maybe eight years ago, mm -hmm. I, I remember um, one of the Simmons, I think it was Russell. Yep. 
he was talking about poetry mm -hmm. and he was talking significantly about how you know a lot of these people are just talking about what they know and we shouldn't limit them and they should be able to say whatever it is that they want to say do you do you agree with that as well kind of like that disposition like this is a storytelling process so it's two things i think right now there's a commodification of hip-hop so there's a uh, characterization or caricature of what people want to sell versus the stuff that people are actually saying because at the end of the day we are seeing like what is being put onto the radio, what is the thing that is like a quick churn to make a quick buck, who are those people able to direct that? These are the white people in the marketing positions. Now I think us as black people, there's an idea of us wanting to get some money and you know, the death of the conscious rapper. Like we also recognize like as that is a thing, we are no longer gonna experience like what true hip hop was in its original essence because it's not a popular form of music. So now that it's popular, everybody has access to it Everybody has an idea of what this thing should be. Same thing with mental shows. You have an idea of what you want to put out there, but in reality, once you're able to get to the nuances of like, the underground rapper Saba put out an amazing album, 2018, and that told a beautiful story. You have somebody like IDK talking about his emotional health. Kendrick pivoted emotional health. Yeah. And so like, as you're starting to see it, there's a culture shifting in terms of like, how we want to see it being packaged, but you're also seeing like, what is selling, Kendrick can put out an album talk about, hey, niggas, go to therapy. <laughs> Somebody who's mm -hmm. coming up, they'll have a much more niche audience, but that's not what's going to sell on the radio because no one wants to sit with themselves anymore or sit with the reality of self anymore. You want to sit with, hey, this is really entertaining and I don't have to listen to this as much. So for right now, I think how we are digesting music shifted over the pandemic, but I think it's also how we are wanted to interrogate right now, specifically black men and hip hop and how we operate, so. Do you think that that inter, I'm, I'm gonna pass it off to Kumo because I saw Kumo. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> um, but, but in terms of the interrogation that Marquise was talking about, do you think that people are actively interrogating hip hop music right now? Um, black people. Black people. Um, I think with black men, no. Um, I think like how you just mentioned about, you know, with Kendrick's latest album, I, I think that that's one of his greatest albums he just released. Um, and he's talking about healing our traumas. And I feel like it got overlooked what he's really talking about. So like Kendrick literally, like he said, he's, I'm sacrificing my soul to begin the healing. That's what he said in his in one of his songs. Mm -hmm. He's like, I'm sacrificing my soul to begin the healing. So there's this cry for like healing within the black community, especially with black men, mm -hmm. because we have our black men are so fucking. It's just it's like black women are doing the work, but black men don't want to do the work. So like you just said about going back to that, like people don't want to have that conversation. Like niggas, we need to heal. Like, yeah. and it, it, even Kendrick touched on so much. He's like, it, like we got to give our women a break. Mm -hmm. We got to give our women a break. So I think there's this like, like we're missing it. And I'm like, yo, like Kendrick dropped the best album of all time. Mm -hmm. And y'all are missing what he's talking about. Yes. You're yes. literally missing it. And he's and it's like he's talking to hood niggas because I think sometimes as black intellectuals we have these big words. Yes, we do. As black intellectuals and black, yeah, as black activists, and I kind of had to like switch on how I approach people. Like hood hood niggas are not gonna understand uh, intersectionality. 
they're not going to understand that. So with his latest album, Kendrick's literally talking from a place of like, y'all, I'm trying to get the hood niggas because y'all ain't talking to them. Mm -hmm. Black intellectuals, y'all are not having these conversations with these people, with these, with this community. Because if we really want to move forward as a black community, we also need to meet hood niggas where they're at. And what I mean by hood niggas is people who have not gone to academia. We're missing that group. We're missing the, the dope dealer. What do they think about going to therapy? What do they think about sexual assault? Kendrick touched on that, on that album. Niggas in the industry have faced sexual assault. That's the first time I ever heard an artist, a black artist, say that. Mm -hmm. So A black male artist. On his, on a mainstream level. On mainstream level. Yeah, I think that's, that's important. That's the first time that's I ever true. heard that. And people are missing. And I'm like, do you just see what this man just did? He literally, like he said, I'm sacrificing myself for this healing. Why do you think that people are missing it? Is it that, is Kendrick not being marketed? Do you think that people just don't give a fuck? Like, what do you think's actually happening? Nikki, you want to jump in? I think it's a, a combination of both. I think to Marquise's point, what's being pushed to radio is not positive or conscious rap. There's that half of it. But I also think that we are, especially in the last three years, people are in an escapist mindset mm -hmm. and have been for a while. So they want to hear music about celebration and getting money and leveling up and all of these things because it distracts you from your reality. I think that's actually where hip hop shifted, even in terms of violence, where it started off telling the story of what was happening in the street. The people that were rapping were not the people in the street. That was the difference. Mm -hmm. They were saying, this is ruining our neighborhood, let's rap about it. And then rappers became the drug dealers. So now it's not, hey, there's violence happening and we hate that for our community, let's rap about it. It's, hey, I'm the drug dealer and I had to shoot somebody today because he got in the way of my drug deal. So as the conversation shifted, as the 80s came and went and we became the pusher and not the consumer, the music changed because when you sell drugs, you have to carry a weapon and that's it. You have to do that. So now if the drug dealer is the rapper, you're going to have violent music. Mm -hmm. If you notice the shift, music is still violent, but it's become more depressed because now the rapper is the drug user. user. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. So that violence is also coming from a mental health issue. Now we have folks that are heavily medicated that are not only rapping, but they're consuming the music. So when you have like a Travis Scott concert where people are encouraged to do drugs and they're high out of their mind, they don't mind stepping on somebody that got trampled. The violence isn't just street violence, which, right? It's the consciousness has devolved of hip hop because it's now drug centered, street centered, and we know that sells. So that's what's being consumed and we reenact that. Yeah, and I think like that's what a lot of people have a hard time, in my opinion, admitting. Mm -hmm. It's like, does the does the violence come before the art or does the art come before the violence, but not acknowledging that like, yeah, somebody can look at the shit and just be inspired by that. I remember when we went to um, the UK and we had conversations about knife crime. Yes. In particular, and I, I remember going, I remember just thinking to myself like, well, hot damn, do you know you have, how much you have to hate somebody to cut them? Hmm. To like stab them and then get the blood on your hand and then do it over and over and over again. Hmm. And that is the default crime. Hmm. I was like that. It blew my mind. And what I heard a lot of people saying is that it has nothing to do with the music. People are making their own decisions. Why do you think that people have such a hard time taking responsibility or putting accountability on hip hop as a genre or the artist? Why, why is that? I'd love to hear from you, Tiffany, on that. Um, I think, well, I think you have to kind of go back to um, 
the history of hip hop, right? When, when it first started, it was first started to really talk about people's experiences. It had more of a positive message. It was just, this is what's going on and this is how we deal with it. And I think you and I even talked offline a little bit about um, taking, understanding what an excuse is versus an explanation, right? And so in hip hop, it first started out as, okay, this is an explanation of what we're going through and we can grow from there. How do we grow from there? But somehow it, it devolved yeah. into an excuse of, this is what the situation we're in and we're gonna stay there and we're not gonna move. And now we're not even able to take responsibility for our lack of growth. And so there was a big shift between my parents' generation. I know I look young, but I'm in my 40s. My parents' generation, which is like the four tops and the Chanel's and all that good, you know, har harmonic yes. music, right? And then you went into early hip hop in the 80s and 90s. But at the same time, in the 80s and 90s, that's when drugs and stuff was dropped into the black community. And so now violence, which was not initially part of hip hop, mm -hmm started to become part of it because there was addiction and all these other things, right? And so I think we can't just kind of separate hip hop uh, without looking at some of the history that has caused us to get into the situation that we're in. But it's not to say that we can't take responsibility on changing the the, the message within hip hop altogether. Um, it's my, my brother does music and produces music and I had a conversation with him about this a couple weeks ago, it's funny. And he was saying, you know, music is neither amoral or immoral. It takes on the morality of its creator, mm -hmm. right? So if someone's kind of creating music that has no morality or ha is talking about violence and is talking about killing and shooting and stuff like that. Well, let's th talk about, you know, classical music. There are studies that show music has serious, like it, 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 it affects it human behavior. Like I listen to classical music when I want to focus. I listened to classical music when I was pregnant with my son. I think that's why he's really smart in math and science, and I'm probably not. I'm not. <laughs> um, but either way, um, you know, we have to think about knowing the studies and the data that talks about how music affects the human behavior and how it affects what we're doing. Um, and so we can't kind of separate there's our ourselves from music and our humanity from music without understanding the effects music has. And so we need people to start taking more responsibility for the violence and you know the degradation that we're seeing. I, D Dionne Warwick and Snoop Dogg, I saw that story recently. Did you guys see that? Yeah, yeah. And yeah. she was like, you know, Snoop Dogg was invited to Dionne Warwick's house along with Tupac and Suge Knight. And she was like, you know, you want to call black women B the B word. And she was like, call it to me to my face. Disrespect means something. And they all got the gist that, okay. And yeah, I'm really talking now. <laughs> she giving us a little spanking here. And I, no, I said, you know, all of your ears and all of you will be growing up very soon. And you're going to find someone you're going to meet, fall in love with, marry, and you're going to start having children. And you're going to have daughters. And eventually those little girls are going to grow up. And one of them is going to say to you, Daddy, did you really say that? And how are you going to answer that? I think we need to take responsibility, but we also need to acknowledge that their history and the evolution and the de-evolution of the violence or the insertion of it and where it came to be. Yeah. But I think also can take the, it. the basic explanation of it is, is it's the Beyonce effect. When you love something and when you have hung a lot of your, your morality, a lot of things that you believe come from this specific thing. Like a lot of people look to music to escape. A lot of people look to music to 
Um, maybe it's speaking about the life that they're living and they don't know how to talk to other people about it. So it makes them feel not alone. Um, some people want to, want to be posers, you know, they want to do that. So it makes them feel empowered <laughs> to hear about somebody else doing it. And I can rap about it, even though I'm not necessarily doing it. And when you have all these things that you're putting into this, you don't want to hear nothing negative about it. And that's just the simple fact about it. Because once you acknowledge that there's negativity there, now you have to comb through it and you have to, and maybe what that pedestal you had it on, maybe it's not worthy of that pedestal anymore. Yeah. So nobody wants to, right, nobody wants to even look at one flaw because if there's one flaw, there has to be more. Oh, yeah. And then now I'm going to fall out of love with something that might be essentially running my life or saving my life or something that is helping me, empower me to move forward in my life. I think that's like one of the, for most people, I think that's what it is. Thank they you. just don't want to have to comb through it and really see how problematic a lot of it is because then it just tears down your whole belief system, essentially. Yeah. I love well, thank you, that Elijah Day. I, yeah. you want to I, I, just, I don't know if it's, even if it's pushback. I'm just conflicted because maybe I'm misunderstanding everyone. So I'm, I guess the music, I would say because of the rappers rapping as if their lived experience and it may influence others, I guess, to partake in violence. But my only pushback is, so I, I agree and disagree, that's I'm still conflicted because I think I sent you the video before on Instagram because after um, Takeoff was, you know, murdered, it was yeah. like, I blame the music. And I was like, okay, sure, but rap music is consumed more by white people, yet they're not experiencing this violence. So is it the music or is it just poverty that these black folk who listen to the music are experiencing because it's the reality, it's their survival of, okay, look, because I am a drug dealer, not saying all black folk are, but usually in low income areas, anything goes to pay rent, to secure food and secure housing. So you may scam, deal drugs, um, rob, you know, or fraud, whatever. So my, my thing is like, I don't necessarily think it's the music. I think it's the environment that specifically black folk are living in because poverty does these things. I don't think we, I feel like it's also, it's. I'm not saying we all said that here, but it was very much racist to say that it's the music because again, hip hop, the, their argument was that hip hop intrinsically is violent, but so is death metal. So is country. So is pop. When you have certain pop artists talking about, you know, sexual assault experiences while on drugs right. or how they get angry while on drugs, you know, um, it's, so I, I just, I don't know. I'm not saying anyone argue that on that point, but I just wanted to add that in because I don't necessarily think that the music is making people violent. I do think the violence is an expression of what they may experience. So they, they use the music as a medium. But I think the bigger question is, or what people use as escapable saying that the music is making these black folk kill each other. And I feel like it's very much a dog whistle because um, if that's the case, then these, these shooters are not listening to hip hop. But if they are, then why are we not using an excuse for them? But because they're white, we use the excuse that mental issues or they were a lone wolf. So I feel like it's very much a double standard to assume that because Takeoff was killed, it has to be the music. Mm -hmm. But when white people are killing people or shooting people, mm -hmm. you know, they're not, they're not, rap music isn't using an excuse, even though white people consume it more. So then why is it that rap music affects black folk, but not white folks? So I, mean, I think that's a great question. Does anyone have a response to that? I do. It's like, that's, Dr. Donna, we'll come to you. Dada, you want to go first? I think what we're missing here is the causation versus correlation mm -hmm. um, argument here. Mm -hmm. And what's going on is, I say this a lot, but follow the money. What is profitable? Mm -hmm. So who gets put on and mm -hmm. what kind of message gets put out there? So there was a point where hip-hop wasn't hip-hop. It was gangster rap, mm -hmm. right? And so that was a whole separate section of rap. It was a subgenre that then became the genre of rap 
because that was what was most profitable. Because mm -hmm. the people that were pushing all of the money out and paying for it, you got on if your message was that violent message. You got more airplay, you got more videos, the more outlandish you were. I mean, Tupac testified to Congress how many times about his lyrics, you know what I mean? Like mm -hmm. how many times he had to go to court and people try to do that causation and correlation thing about the lyrics. It's, it's, it was just flash. It was no substance there. Mm -hmm. And so what happens is, is it causation? Is I'm, am I rapping about this because this is my reality? Or is it correlation? I just happen to have this and I just happen to rap about this. But I, what I do know is popularity is the same message. We keep getting fed this. Like someone in the background is deciding right now, this is going to be the mumble rap time because that's what's profitable. Right. And what are they talking about? Drugs. They're talking about nothing. Time for a quick food fact. Tadeo brings up a great point here. Black people may be the face of hip hop for now, but the facts are that as of June 2021, the LA Times found that of all the top executives at 70 leading music companies, 86% were men and 86% were white. In those 70 companies, there were only three black top executives and two women of color at nine key firms, including Live Nation, AEG Presents, Sony Music, Universal Music Group, Warner Music Group, Spotify, iHeartRadio, Cumulus, and Odyssey. Every chief executive was white and only one was female. Keep this in mind throughout the conversation. Let's tune back in. I want to go to the uncomfortable space with this conversation, which is that we are in a time where we're talking about lyrics. We have somebody like 21 Savage who goes on Clubhouse and talks about all of the people he and his friends have murdered, right? They're going to use those lyrics to prosecute him. They're going to use those lyrics to deport him. I, goodbye. For me, personally, goodbye. Because oftentimes what we don't talk about is that there are real life ramifications for these. These people who die, they have families, right? Mm -hmm. And, and if black men under 45 are more likely to die from homicide than any other body, yeah. right? So causation, correlation. When are we going to get to the point where we can acknowledge that the people we put on pedestals, the people who are canonized by people who are investing in their music or people who are just accepting that music because it resonates with them, maybe that's because of poverty or circumstances, that the ramifications or the correlation is more so about the violence and the trajectory. Clubhouse is not a record. Right? Clubhouse is real life, people getting on and talking shit, and now you're talking about all the people who were killed. Is there enough there to say like, well, goddamn, can you take some responsibility for what you're doing? Or are we going to say it's the person who signed him? Like, like when do we start to cross over? This wasn't profitable. And social currency is, is still another form of capitalism, right? Yeah. Capitalism deals in social currency the same way. So like, it might not be physical dollars, but you yeah. are getting paid. Because now you're relevant, you're in, in the zeitgeist. I'm trying not to use these words, right? <laughs> <laughs> um, you're out there, and now you have that clout. And clout chasing is real. So how much of this is just a negative feedback of people doing the thing? You know, children learn from positive reinforcement. But people don't talk about children it. also learn from negative negative reinforcement, reinforcement too, so when i act the fool people like it so i'm gonna keep acting the fool mm -hmm. i want to jump to dr donna because i know you wanted to jump in i agree a lot with what you said elijah day i think that the two get conflated and it's causation versus um correlation and i think that for me the tough question that i have is why don't we want to talk about poverty i'm looking like it if Negroes had no passports, how did some of these drugs get here, 
right? So I, I'm like, where do we want to start the conversation and whom are we also asking to be held to account for this? Because I'm like, I feel like there is a space where white supremacists, patriarchal capitalism needs to take some blame, especially because they're actually the ones that pay for the music and push it out, mm -hmm. right? But that is not to say that some of these artists probably should not also be held to account for the things that they say. But I don't know that there are stats that support the idea that hip hop is inherently violent. And when I hear hip hop is inherently violent, what I also am hearing are black people are inherently violent. And I am, I'm worried about anything that sounds like black on black crime, mm -hmm. because I'm looking like, we know exactly what that is. We know that that is a dog whistle way for them to say that black people are violent people and are deserving of repercussions from police. They are deserving of over-policing in the neighborhoods. They're deserving of less because they will destroy whatever you give them. The idea that hip hop is in itself inherently violent, I'm looking like, Eminem said what on his music? Cut people up, piss on people, light people on fire. Has no one said people didn't say very much yeah. about him, and certainly no one said that he is the cause of all violence in white communities, mm. right? So when I think of violence in, in community, I'm often thinking of what did those white supremacist assholes do to my people for them to feel the need to behave and to act out in these ways? Yes. Do we have to take some responsibility? Of course. But I'm like, um, I'm, things I'm, are old. Right. And until those things are given and people are put in a position where they're not impoverished, how are they supposed to also then grow? Okay, so I'm going to interrupt you because white people are not going to come and just and change it. <laughs> they're not. No white person's going to come and be like, you know what, we're making too much money off of these niggas and bitches, so we're going to change our strat now. It's not going to happen. I've been waiting. And, in the con and, and, and that's where, you know, no shade, is that that's what I want to take the conversation to because I've been having these conversations for years yeah. and I've heard every white supremacy, I've heard it all. And my thing is, it's like, that's fine because it's true. It's a fact. It is an absolute fact and we're acknowledging that. And now we're also saying, have myself having a cousin who was shot in the face, right? And a lot of us who have seen inner city violence, right? What is next? Like, what is this next? Because there is something that is happening yes. that is reflected in our music. We are now in a place where Dionne Warwick invited Snoop and um, Tupac and Suge Knight to come into our house and say, call me a bitch, right? And now we're living in a world where everybody calls everybody a bitch. The impact of music, the impact of media is undeniable. Yes, there are people who fund that, but there are also people who participate in that. And I think a lot of times when we have conversations about like colorism, when we have conversations about the way that black men do certain things, we have no problem holding black men accountable. Mm -hmm. I, I feel like there's it's not an issue. But once we get into the hip hop space, and once we start talking about people who are demonstrating very, very problematic behavior, personally, I don't give a fuck what anybody says. I know what I see. So my thing is, is like black people are not inherently violent. That's a lie. We know that rape, violence, and white supremacy is the daddy of all of this. And we understand that daddy, you did this. But when are we going to do our own work is the yeah. question. We acknowledge that Kendrick put out a great record that maybe is not getting the type of airplay that we would want it to have. But this is, I think that this is a reflection of society. Go ahead, Marquis. Yeah, no, because um, as everybody was speaking, I think it's also important for us to think around like hip hop, not just in a music sense, but the cultural sense too. Like what are people wearing? How are people moving? What's the slang? What's the lingo? But I'm also thinking around like 
are passive and now bringing it inward because now I think it's a conversation on public versus personal responsibility to our community. We're battling the fact that most of us grew up in a space of like, what happens behind closed doors stays behind closed doors. But when you see somebody elevated to this space and we see problematic behavior, we make excuses for it because that means we have to reckon with something that we've seen in ourselves. We are inciting conversation for most of these things come from pop culture in terms of like, how do we need to adjust? And I love the intellectualized trash. So I'm just like, let's get into it. (laughs) But (laughs) the reality is what I'm also realizing as like, I'm teaching ninth graders. So 14, 15 years old and I'm watching what they're ingesting in terms of music. And for me, I sit there during my black masculinity course and I'm watching them like struggle with like, what does it mean to have healthy conflict resolution? What does it mean to have basic skills that we need for social awareness? And I'm working in school with all black boys. So for that to be a thing, I think it's important for us to recognize like there's a scariness around like once you acknowledge the fact that, hey, you kind of did this really crappy thing and should I hold you accountable in public because you're a public figure or does this stay behind closed doors and like we support you in public but reprimand you in private is that where growth will happen. I think we have this weird tension of like, well, there's not many of us up there so we got to make sure we protect them at all costs. But we're also witnessing the reason we struggled with the idea of um, Megan Thee Stallion being shot and the reason we see we didn't want to acknowledge what was going on with Mary J. Blige and we just kind of were just like, you know, this is going to happen. It's not a thing you got to go through. It's hard for us to do that because we also have to reckon with the darkest parts of black men. We have to, well, just men in general. And can we acknowledge like that fear of when I grow, I don't know what happens when I get to that other side. I don't know if I can reckon with these feelings outside of what I've only known. We're scared of the unfamiliar. So like as you develop and as you grow from an emotional standpoint, in hip hop, we're seeing little bits of it drip and it's popular because mental health is popular, right? Mm-hmm. However, mm-hmm. as they are trying to like work through it, we're witnessing like a cultural tension. Juice World was a cultural tension because we had to deal with the fact that, oh, there's a lot of artists, mumble rappers who are depressed and don't know how to articulate what they are feeling. So if you don't have an emotional vocabulary to expand or enough life experiences to like expand what you can talk about, then there is something to say like, yes, you're a product of your environment. <laughs> yes, there is something that we don't know because what does it look like to work from no longer a space of scarcity? So yeah, from a political standpoint, give us the resources in our community so we can live a more fulfilled life. But from uh, where we're at right now, I have to push you as my brother. I have to push you as my sister, as my person in order for us to grow. That's the part of the conversation we're uncomfortable with having it's really because hard. I have to humanize you in a way that I've never done before. And, 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 and hip hop hasn't done that yet. Yeah, and, and, and that's that's so interesting. I, I'm interested to see how you feel about that, Elijah Day, based off what you said, because there is this interesting part. I agree. Like, if there were, like, black people conferences that we would go to, like, have our private conversations, I would sign up for that shit. But I haven't been invited. And and my thing is, and I haven't set it up. This is, this is my right. version of setting it up, right? <laughs> um, and, we, and we're having it publicly because the public humiliation of black women happens in front of everybody to see. Right. Like that that over commodification of the black woman's body as like a sex slave, a hoe, a tramp and all of these things. It was done in public, in the light. That violence continues. The violence happens via colorism that we see all over our hip hop videos. It happens in the words and the degradation. It happens via homophobia, things like that. Like, you know, you and I were talking about like even um, Jamaican music, reggae music. You know what I'm saying? It's music that's full of kill up the batman and beer. You know, hip hop's a massive You telling me I, you want to burn me up and all of this kind of stuff? And then you know what happens? People get burnt up in real life. Mm-hmm. People get murdered in real life. There are tons of kids who are in gullies. They have nobody who loves them. And 
want to take care of them because the music, the culture, the religion says so. My thing is like, how do we reckon with that? Do you want to tell, just kind of like give people a briefing on like what Jamaica decided to do? Yeah, I was just about to jump into that because Thank you, Marquise, um, by the way. in October, Jamaica um, banned any music that had to do with gun violence, that had to do with drugs, that had to do with poverty. Like, and so there are some artists that are saying, well, we kind of get it. You know, we, we understand where you're coming from, that we don't want to promote, we don't want to perpetuate this type of message. And then on the flip side, you have other artists that are saying, well, you're kind of muting our free speech. You're muting our ability to express what we've been going through. And again, I go back to, it's one thing for you to express what you've been going through, but don't stay there. Hmm. Um, so how do we get the music to progress past what you've just been going through? and progress towards where you want to get to. Um, and I think a good example of an artist like who, who has done that is Common. Like when Common came out, he might be from Chicago. Kanye West is from Chicago. Kanye started kind of, you know, he was on positive <laughs> side and then he went left field. But <laughs> Common was here telling us what his experience was. But at the end of the day, it was like he was building black women up. He was building black men up. Even in some of the stuff that Nas put out back in the day, right? It wasn't all gangster. It was like, okay, I know I can't be what I want to be. You know what I'm saying? Like I my son knows that song. I was like, listen, this is the type of hip hop. These are the type of influences I would like for you to hear because, yeah, hip hop, we can talk about where we came from, but we also need to talk about where we're going. So it's going to be interesting to see what happens in Jamaica. They've tried this band before, I think in 2009. And of course, it just kind of dies down because music is music. You can. And you yeah, cannot yeah, stop yeah. music. Music has started movements, like yes. literally revolutionary movements. And we think about music, we have Negro spirituals, that that was the way that we communicated with each other on the plantation so that we could get messages about when we we're going to run away <laughs> or if we're going to put poison in the master's plate. You know, so like <laughs> we can't just, we can't just mute people's experiences, but we have to acknowledge that yes your experience is valid yes poverty is, is valid but how do we grow from there and one of the things I, I read um, that was so poignant for me with the Jamaican artists is they, they said we're dealing with surface stuff we need to deal with like you said the poverty what are the causes what's going on why is our government addressing that why are you talking about the symptoms and not the causes and that is where we're we're missing you know, there's a bridge that's missing that we need to get to. Mm -hmm. um, and so that part right there, yeah. because Thank everyone you, always is very interested in the outcome. Mm -hmm. No one wants to address the, the root causes. The yep. So when we talk about um, elevating people and getting them to move along this space and getting them to make different music, I'm like, well, what are we doing on this level, on that lonely, that lonely level, that I'm depressed level, that I don't have no friends. I can't get no woman because I'm a asshole. Whatever all those pieces, all the little pieces are, right? We're not we're not addressing those those pieces, but we're asking for self actualization. Yeah. yeah, we are requesting self actualization without meeting basic human needs. So your water is filthy, Flint. So you don't have proper housing. New York is right for people who've been made homeless because of what happened in the panini but then we're also saying self-actualize yeah. mm -hmm. move yourself up yeah. and i'm like is it a fair ass right. to ask somebody to jump that damn high and it's like no. bitch i'm hungry right like yeah. i can't like yeah. i'm thirsty yeah. i'm not i'm not bathed i'm not dressed i don't have safety or shelter but you're asking me to self-actualize and at the same time i want to say that the government definitely has a responsibility here and i'm saying that because mental health ain't free
right? Because often the burden falls on therapists like myself to offer free services, which a lot of us do. If I don't know very many therapists that don't have a super slid down to $20 a session or a super free pro bono looking slots, right? I'm like, so we're doing the work. But what I really love is seeing some of the therapists who are working with barbershops. And I like, I like, uh, there's a, um, a gentleman, he has this thing called Menta, Menta Heal. Yeah. And I'm like, James. we James need Harris. more of that. Yeah. But that stuff ain't free. And I can tell you right now, looking for grants, because <laughs> I have been a person looking for grants in the Panini, Ooh. because people lost jobs and couldn't afford therapy, I'm looking like, well, we, I'm going to still see you. I'm going to just figure it out. So I got one grant one time and I was able to say like, okay, I got you for 10 sessions at half. You got, you got a cover half. I'm a cover half. Unless I was going to do it for free. Mm. How quickly did Donna burn out? Mm -hmm. I can imagine. I went from I having 13 sessions to having over 20 hired somebody to help cover the gap. And I'm just like PPP is what helps save a girl to be able to continue to do the work with the community that I'm serving. Mm -hmm. But I'm just like, the things that we're asking for require government assistance. And I think that that is part of where our work and where hip hop's work and where all these damn celebrities that we say we love, that's where their work lies. I'm looking like, stop trying to get us to buy tickets to go to over here, friend. We can't afford that. But you could be talking to your mayors because you have access that we don't have. Yes. And get them to give us some freaking funds so that we can get to the root of the problem. But yeah. white supremacy? thrives on this problem Absolutely. so we're saying why is the problem persisting because they will it so dealing with the foundational issues we definitely have to do that but we also have to start calling bullshit yeah. because when you were when when somebody was talking about you know this is what the life that they're living and stuff i had to think about it and i was like 90 percent of these people that are rapping about this stuff ain't pulled a clip Ain't sold a bag, yeah. ain't been yeah. Drake. 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 Start calling bullshit on that because you're talking about things you know nothing about. And the people that are talking about that, that have done those things, a lot of times you hear them talking not from a place of like, come do this, a place of don't do this because I had to do this and it wasn't fun. And that's how a lot of times I tell the difference between the people that actually are living that life and the people that are not. The people that are not are like, glorifying it the people that are like this shit was hard yeah. and i just need you to know that this is not like this was this is a hard life for me we have to start calling bullshit on these people and pour stop card. it pour their car <laughs> boy where where'd you where who you shoot no, what's no. The name? i think you what's right. the name what like, start calling that stuff out and then you'll well, see the fake the fraud like, like and realize yeah. their message yeah. is fraud as well yeah thank you and Juice. i think there's also Clinic. something to be said about if you were in the street and you've become a famous rapper, there is not any work being done to shift that mindset. Because if you look at the situation with Takeoff, there's a detail that not a lot of people discuss, which is that you're at a party, a birthday party, right? There's a lot of rappers, there's a lot of street people there. There's nothing good happening at 3 a.m. You know what's interesting to me is that Drake was at that same party. Oh. Yes. <laughs> he was escorted out of the building hours before that. You know why? Because whoever is around Drake has done the work to make sure he's not in those situations. And also Drake doesn't come from the streets. When you look at a group like the Migos, two out of three of them were a part of gang culture. Unfortunately, Takeoff wasn't. But you are around people who are still in that mindset. So you're even though you have wealth, you're still in street situations mm -hmm. that end up taking your life. So I think it is a double-sided coin where we need a lot of work for the people that are hearing it 
we need work for the people that are speaking it because they're continuing a message and a lifestyle that they don't realize is not only re-traumatizing and making them unsafe, you're making the people that are hearing it unsafe because we're attaching and we're acting it out. Nikki brought it on home for us for the first part of this four-part series. We hope you enjoyed the conversation. Let us know what you think of today's episode by leaving us a five-star review and hitting us up at The Stranger Fruit on social media. Now here's a quick taste of what you'll hear from us next time on Stranger Fruit. People of color from, for instance, the Caribbean or Latin America who are not black and are listening to this type of music, they feel like they have a license to say the N-word when it's in songs. As long as I'm not saying it to you, it's okay for me to say it. Or as long as you're my friend, it's okay for me to say it. So, so yeah, <laughs> how do you feel? So, and let me talk my shit or I might just go another fit.